0: You guys ready? Yeah. If you have a Bible or you want to, you can turn to Isaiah chapter forty, or you can follow along on the screen. How about that? <laughs> oh, it's like a whole new world that's opened up. Now you can even see the translation that I'm reading out of. All right, you ready? "'To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal?' says the Holy One. "'Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? "'He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. "'Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing.'" Why do you say, O oh, Jacob, and complain, O oh, Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his, in his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak." Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Whoa, lost my place. Sorry. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. All right. Not exciting. So this, this chapter in Isaiah, it marks a, a shift in the focus of the book. Okay, The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are really hard. And it's talking about difficult things and challenging times ahead. But then suddenly, in chapter 40, God stops and he says, Comfort my people. So in the middle of difficult times and questions and uncertainties, God says, I have a message of comfort for my people. Amen? So he reminds them throughout the chapter, hey, no matter what is going on in the world, what is going on in your life, no matter what's happening around you, I am still God. I am the creator of everything you see. The most powerful nations in the world are nothing before me. The wealthiest and the, and the most influential leaders in the world, I can bring them down. Okay? And the things that you turn to for comfort to make you feel safe are nothing in comparison to me. I am God. And then he reminds them, hey, not only am I still God of the universe, not only do I still hold all the power, I'm still your God. If you think that I don't see you, I do. Because all of this, even the stars that come out, not one of them is missing because I see everything. If you think that I, do, that I don't know you, I do. Even the stars I know by name. If you think that I've given up on you, I haven't. My understanding is endless. Okay, so if you are tired, if you've lost hope, if you are weary, I am still your God. I am still here. I am still with you. I am still yours. I am still God. Amen? Okay. So in the last verse, he comes and he says, okay, I'm going to tell you what you can do. <laughs> in the middle of difficult times, you can soar higher, you can run more powerfully, you can run faster, and you can walk more powerfully. Because those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Okay? Okay? That, that verb tense of that word that's, that's translated renew is an ongoing process. So those who wait on the Lord, they possess an, an a continually ongoing, ever-increasing strength. Okay? Doesn't that sound good? <laughs> All right. So let's talk about what it means to wait on the Lord. Because I think that the picture that a lot of us get when we are challenged with this idea of waiting on the Lord is that we're just supposed to trust God that he's going to come through and work everything out, right? We're supposed to, um, to trust the Lord that he works all things together for our good. And we're supposed to to have hope, and we're supposed to to sit in hopeful expectation in the goodness of God, and that we will see the goodness of God in our lives. Okay, don't don't be don't be distracted by that. Those are actually true statements. Those those are valid expressions of waiting on the Lord. Okay. But that is not the that, that's not the picture that the Lord's talking about in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. It's a different kind of waiting. Alright? So, first of all, there are several Hebrew words that are that are translated in the Old Testament as wait. And they each mean something a little bit different. So let's talk about those for a minute. Okay, one word for wait means to wait in confidence or stillness. Okay? This word is used in Lamentations 3.26. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Okay? This is a, like, I'm confident. I know. I'm still. I'm silent. I know that, that, that the salvation of the Lord is coming. Okay? That's not this word. Another word for wait means to be patient and to wait in hopeful expectation of the goodness of the Lord, okay? Um, this word is most often translated as hope. An example of this kind of waiting is in Lamentations 3.24. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. I will hope in him, okay? It's encouraging yourself in the hopeful expectation that you will see the goodness of the Lord, Okay? That's another kind of waiting. Okay, another word for wait means to stand firm in one place um, and not move. Hold on. It means to stay in place by holding on and waiting for something to happen. It's like the picture is like tying a knot in a rope and holding on. Okay? And, it, and it's, the, it's the waiting and the being patient that you have a promise from the Lord. The Lord has given you a word. And you know you're waiting on it to happen. Okay. This word is used in Habakkuk 2.3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. And it speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. And it will certainly come and not delay. Okay. This is the kind of waiting where you're waiting on something specific that the Lord told you to happen. Okay. Then another 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 word for wait means to stand firm and not move from a place. To stand in your position, I am taking a stand, I am standing firm where I'm supposed to be and I will not move until I am told. I'm wait it's like a soldier waiting for his orders. Okay? Do you see all those different kinds of wait in scripture and how they're all valid and they're all necessary? Okay? So there's a few others, but we're going to stop there. So we have the kind of waiting that is waiting in in confidence and silence. And then there's the kind of waiting where you're, you're holding on to a promise that you know is coming. And then there's the kind of waiting where you're encouraging your heart. Hey, I will see the goodness of the Lord. God will come no matter what it looks like. God is going to come and manifest his goodness in my life. And then there's the kind of waiting that's like, I'm in my position and I am standing firm and I am not moving until I'm told. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay. So the kind of waiting when it says wait on the Lord is a different kind of waiting. It's the, so the, that word that's translated as wait means to, to bind together by twisting, like a rope. Okay? So the picture is that you take strands of a rope... And you stretch them with tension, and then you tightly wind them together around one another, and it creates a stronger rope. Okay. It, it, let me say that again. So, so it's this, okay. So the picture is you have the strands of. I wish I. I wish I was good at like uh, object, you know, lessons and stuff. So. Uh, you take two strands of a rope and you stretch them tight with tension. You, bring, you stretch them as tight as you can and you wind, and you wind them around. you twist them around each other until you create a stronger rope. And this process creates endurance. okay? So this process of waiting on the Lord is not the process where we're just going to be still and silent and, and be confident. And it's not the process where we're going to fill our hope tank with how good God is. And it's not the process where we're going to just take our stand and wait patiently for something to happen. All Those, those are all valid things that we should do. But this process is the, is the very intentional and active time of intertwining your life with God's. Okay? All right? Does that make sense? <laughs> All right, hold on. (laughs) So if you break this word down, if you just break it down, it, it literally means to intertwine your soul with the divine breath of God. It is living every moment in surrender to his voice. It is allowing him access to every thought and every emotion that we have. It's choosing his perspective over our right to complain. It's choosing to attach to the purity of his thoughts over the self-indulgence of how we feel in a moment. It's, it's allowing him to stretch us and to cause tension and to pull us out of comfort and self-preservation so that he could show us how strong we can be yeah. with him. It's this process of complete, of handing ourselves over to complete trust and complete partnership and complete um, surrender to him. And to his voice, okay. This process creates endurance. Okay, it it allows us to um, it allows every difficult thing to push us closer to the voice of God. And it allows everything that comes in and tries to steal our strength to make us more determined that I will gain my strength from the Lord. And everything that comes in and tries to make us quit, it drives us to his voice and what he says about us. And everything that, that comes in that we don't understand, it brings us to the feet of the God of the universe for his counsel and his wisdom. And it, it, it allows every unjust thing to, that ever happens to us to commit us to his justice and his mercy. Okay? It allows us everything that tries to slow us down or stop us to make us stronger because it's an opportunity to intertwine our life with his. That is waiting, this type of waiting on the Lord. Okay, all right, you guys okay? Yes. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about what happens when we, when we go through this process, when we allow this process, when we do this. The first thing that will happen is we will ascend. Okay, that verb that's translated like mount up with wings, like eagles, it means to ascend. It means to go from lower ground to higher ground. It means, I'm going up. It's the word that's used in the Old Testament for the people of God when they're going up into the house of God, of God. They're going up into the promised land. It always says that when they're going to the promised land, when they're going to Jerusalem, when they're going to the house of God, they're always going up. It's the songs of ascension. We're going up to the house of the Lord. That is this word. It's ascending. Eagles fly higher than any other bird. And when a storm comes along... The eagle doesn't fear the storm because it will use the strong winds of the storm to fly higher. And they will fly higher and higher and higher until they're above the storm. Eagles ascend in a storm. Okay? So when we wait on the Lord, when we are intertwining ourselves with him, when we are living each moment in surrender to his voice every difficulty we have every challenge we face is an opportunity to ascend it's an opportunity to hit another level it's an opportunity to get stronger it's an opportunity to to go higher and to ascend okay Are you guys okay so when an eagle is is first learning to fly if you watch a video of of an eagle of a young eagle that's learning to fly, you'll see that like as a strong when a strong wind comes along and he's flying and a strong wind comes along, he'll immediately just start flapping his wings like this. And he's trying to just he's trying to just stay in the air. He's trying not to fall, he's trying not to sink, and he's just flapping like this. Okay? And he's wearing himself out trying to fight the wind. But then you'll see, what you'll see is like the mother eagle will come alongside with her wings spread like this. And, he'll, and she'll, it's almost like she's saying, no, like this. Like stop trying to, to, to fight the wind and let the wind, use the wind to your advantage. Okay, does that make sense? Okay, sometimes we wear ourselves out fighting against the very thing that's meant to elevate us. Okay, <laughs> does that make sense? Okay, <laughs> we struggle and we struggle and we struggle and we wear ourselves down when we could just use the strength that's already in us and lean into his strength and just just soar. Just let it take you higher. Like, what if instead of instead of walking around when something hard happens going, man, I just don't know. What I'm going to do, I just don't know. What if instead of that, what if we had the attitude of, I'm going to tell you what's about to happen. I'm about to get elevated. I'm about to go higher. I'm about to get more powerful. I'm about to get more understanding. I'm about to get closer to God. I'm about to fly higher. I'm about to ascend because I'm an eagle and I know who I am. Okay? That's the attitude of an eagle, yeah. all right. Jerry's been talking about an eagle. We're not no more eagles in the turkey yard. Is that what you're saying? No more eagles in the turkey yard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> so, a, a really important question to ask ourselves if we just feel like we're just struggling and we're just fighting the we're fighting the wind and we can't. We can't stop. We can't come out of it. We just can't stop ourselves from from sinking, and we're just fighting the wind and fighting the wind. If we can't do that, a really important question to ask ourselves is what are we focused on? Because a lot of times we can be focused on really good things and what we think are the right things, and really all they're doing is they're keeping us in this flapping motion (laughs) against the wind. Okay? Okay. Sometimes, like, if if, so if our focus is on the problem, then sometimes, like, if we're focused on the problem, we think, okay, I got to pray harder because I got to, like, get an answer. I got to, like, know what to do. I got to know, like, what God is doing. But if that is our focus in prayer, then it's just another way to focus on the problem. I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying don't make that your focus. Because sometimes we can reduce prayer to the level of our worry. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let me say, sometimes we can reduce prayer to the level of our worry. Yeah. And we think, okay, like, I got to have an answer. I got to know what to do. I got to, like, know what God is doing. And so we worry pray. Yeah. And we walk around and we pour out our worry all the time on these constant stress-filled prayers. Okay. Okay. Hey, I'm don't. I'm not saying don't do that. Okay, the Bible is full of worry, of worry-filled, constant, like stress-filled prayers. The Bible is full of them. But if you read them, you'll find that what happens in the middle of those prayers is their focus shifts. And it's not that they got an answer. It's not that their problem went away. It's not that anything changed. It's that their focus was elevated, and it shifted. Okay, so I'm not saying don't do that. I'm saying if that's all we're doing, then we're still just focused on the problem. And we got to let our focus get higher. Okay, you guys okay? Because um, the young eagle, when he's out there, he's just struggling and he's fighting. He, he doesn't stop struggling. Um, by the, the way that he stops struggling is by he takes his focus off the wind and he gets it on his mama. And his mama flies by, and she's doing this, and he says, oh, that's, that's my mama. If she can do that, I can do that. Because she's an eagle, and I'm an eagle, and that's my parent. And so now I can do that, and I can soar. Okay? Does that make sense? Like, we can soar in difficult times. We can, get, we can, we can ascend when we take our focus off the problem and get it on who our God is. And get it on the strength of the Lord and say, hey, that's my father. He, he looks like me. I look like him. I can do that. Okay? I'm his child. I can rise. His voice empowers me to rise, to ascend, to get under the shadow of the Almighty and rest. Okay? Does that make sense? Difficult things are nothing to him. So what changes, the breakthrough comes. Like, there's nothing wrong with praying and asking God, what do I do? Or what are you doing? There's nothing wrong with that. But that is a very small part of prayer. Breakthrough comes when we shift our focus. All right? You guys okay? All right. That's good news. Thank you. Oh, man. Okay. Number two, uh, we will accelerate. It says we will run and not grow weary. To be, to be weary is to become exhausted with the hardships of life. Okay? But when we learn to wait on the Lord and to intertwine our lives with Him and we're not just waiting around for something to happen, we actually go faster. Okay? <laughs> um, because we know the value of everything we do, we do with Him. So we're able to go. We're able to go faster, because also when when everything we're doing, we're doing with Him, and we're doing in obedience, and we're doing in rest, because He's with us. We're eliminating all the extra steps that make us exhausted. Okay, does that make sense? If we find ourselves exhausted. A good question to ask yourself if you're exhausted is, what am I doing that's my idea? And what am I doing that's his his idea? And then we can start to lay down the things we're doing that he never gave us to do. And then we become lighter and then we accelerate. Okay? Now, I want you to hear this part because this is really important. Because sometimes we don't need to lay something down. Sometimes we need to lay down how we feel about it. (laughs) Sometimes we're doing things he told us to do, but our attitude is all wrong. (laughs) So sometimes we just need to lay down how we feel about it. And we need to let him come and tell us how he feels about it. And then we need to let him intertwine his emotions with our emotions until our emotions are aligned with his emotions. Because sometimes what we're weighed down, what weighs us down, is not what we're doing; it's the attitude and the emotions with which we're doing it. So when we let his emotions come and intertwine with our emotions, and we get his emotions about what we're, what what he's feeling about what we're doing. And we surrender our feelings to his feelings, we become lighter and we accelerate. Okay? Yeah. You guys okay? Thirdly, we will accomplish. Those who wait on the Lord will ascend, accelerate, and accomplish. And I started not to use that word because it has such a negative connotation in the church sometimes. It's like, no, we don't. We don't, we don't work, you know, for like results. But actually, it's the best way to describe walk and not faint. Because walk and not faint means that I'm reaching my destination or my goal without giving up or without stopping short. Okay? Does that make sense? What it means is like what Jeremy's been saying for over a year. It's time for our breakthrough to become our follow-through. It's time to be people of our word. It's time to finish what we start. It's time for our actions to back up what God is saying and not just continually look for like, oh God, what's your next word? Have you done the one he already gave you? Have you stewarded the ones he's already given you? Because until you do, you're just gonna keep getting the same words over and over and over again. And he's like, I'm trying to tell you to steward what I've already said. Follow through, accomplish, reach your goal without fainting or giving up or stopping short because we are intertwining his life with ours. Okay? Does that make sense? If we feel like, um, if you feel like you just can't, like, you just can't get there and you're starting, like, I just, I just feel like giving up. What we need to do is go to the Lord and have him reset our target. Because sometimes our target gets off. See, our target will get on the result. And we're not a results-driven people. We're an integrity-driven people and a promise-driven people. And sometimes what we do is we interpret the word of the Lord as like, okay, God said this. Now my goal is on the result. When really our goal should be on the word. Because as we grow, as our lives intertwine with him, the more we understand what it was he was actually saying. Because it's so, he's so big, his language is so big that we can't understand it the first time. And so if we create a target based off his word the first time we hear it, you can do that. But don't keep your eye on the target. Keep your eye on the word. And watch it grow. Watch it multiply. Watch your understanding of it multiply and grow. Okay. So if you're if you're still trying to go this direction and you don't feel the Lord anymore, go back and say, "Hey, that word, like, what does it mean now? Like, what am I like? How how do I receive it now? Because He'll change the target of of where you're going. Not it's not a change of a target; it's a change of your understanding of the target. Okay, does that make sense? All right. Okay, I have five minutes, so I'm just gonna share the story hopefully, hopefully quickly. So there, there's a story that um, I heard way back in the beginning when, you know, first started, the Lord first started making me do, teach, uh, and it didn't go so well um, in the beginning, and there was lots of times when I wanted to quit, but I heard this story early on, and, and every time I would, I would get to that point where I'm just like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I would remember this story, and I'd be like, okay, I need to change my target. Um, so it's a true story. You can look it up. It's the story of uh, David and Sevilla Flood. Anybody heard that story? Oh, okay. So they were missionaries um, a long time ago, and they went to uh, the Na- they went somewhere in Africa to to be missionaries where it's now known as Zaire. And uh, they went with a Scandinavian couple, and they went. To, they prayed about it, and they sought the Lord, and they they decided they were going to go be missionaries to this small tribe in the middle of Africa. And so they get there, and the chief won't let them in, won't let them talk, talk to anybody. And so they pray about it, and they decide, well, we're just going to go down the ways a little bit, about half a mile down the road, and we're going to build these mud huts, and we're just going to pray and we're going to ask the Lord for opportunities to, to reach this tribe for Jesus and to share the gospel. And so they did that, and the only contact that they ever had with this tribe is the chief would send a little boy twice a week to, to bring food to them. And so this woman, Sevilla Flood, she decided, hey, if this is the only person I see, I'm going to make sure he knows about Jesus. And so every time the little boy would come, she would tell me about Jesus. And eventually the little boy accepted Jesus in his heart. So, but then after that, nothing ever happened. It never led to anything. Nothing ever changed. And so eventually they started to, to get malaria and started to get sick. And so the other couple that was with them was like, we've had enough. Like, we're going home. But David and Sevilla fled. They, were, they said, no, we're going to stay. And we're gonna we're gonna keep praying. We're gonna keep doing this. We feel called to do this. So, sometime after that, she got pregnant, and she uh, had a baby girl. And but because of her bouts of malaria and because of the conditions and because she was weak, she ended up dying shortly after childbirth. So at that moment, David fled. Said, "I'm done. I'm over. This is it. Like we've I've given everything to the Lord." And nothing has happened. It was all for nothing. And so he leaves and he goes and he leaves his baby girl with the Scandinavian couple. And he goes home to Sweden. Well, shortly after that, the Scandinavian couple dies. And she gets left with an American missionary couple. And they move back to the States. And she grows up. And she knows the Lord. And she marries a guy who, is, who becomes the president of a Bible college in Seattle, Washington. And so they're there and they're serving and one day in the mail she gets a magazine and there's an article that's written in in the Swedish language and she sees the picture in the article and it's a cross of a grave and it says Sevilla Flood. And so she goes and finds somebody, hey can you please interpret this article for me? And so they interpret the article, and what the article says is about this tribe in the middle of Africa and this, this young woman who came named Sevilla Flood, and she led this little boy to the Lord. And this little boy grew up, and he asked his chief if he could start a school in the village, and he started a school, and he led all his students to the Lord. And then those students led their parents to the Lord. And then eventually the whole tribe, more than 600 people, were now serving the Lord because of severe flood yeah. and David flood. And so she gets really happy and she decides like I'm going to go I'm going to go and visit my father. And her father was really old now he was in his 70s and he had gotten remarried and he had had other kids and but he had one rule in his house don't mention the name of God to me. Wow. Like it's not worth it. It's not it's it it's not real. Nothing happened. Wow. Like I don't want to talk about God. And so his family tells her that, but she goes in and, she, and, she's, and he meets her and he tells her, like, he's really sorry that he gave her away. She said, it's okay, Daddy, God took care of me. And he said, don't tell me that. And so she begins to tell him the story of what happened after they left and how God took that seed and it grew and it multiplied and it multiplied. And look what God did. And so David Flood gave his heart back to Jesus. And then years, a, a couple years later, she's at this, this uh, missionary conference, and there's this African guy, and he's speaking about what God is doing all over Zaire and how many people are getting saved in the nation of Zaire. She goes up to him after, and she says, do you know Sevilla Flood? Do you know the story of Sevilla Flood? And he said, ma'am, I am the little boy wow. that Sevilla Flood led to the Lord <laughs> all those years ago. Sometimes we got to let the Lord change the target because what we know in a moment that he can never measure what he's doing in a moment in that moment. It takes waiting on the Lord. It takes intertwining our life with his. It takes letting him, letting, uh, letting him give us strength. It takes letting him um, multiply the moment and, and bring endurance in our life, because it's only with endurance that yeah. we can look back and, and see, "Oh, God was doing that." Yeah. It's bigger than I thought. Yeah. It's better than I thought. It's more than I thought, because so we, <laughs> we can never know how we're affecting what, how we're affecting the person in front of us and what that will do with time. And in the moment, when we're obedient to the word of the Lord, He always takes care of it. He always multiplies it. There's always fruit, even if we don't see it in the moment. So we let Him change our target. All right, stand up. I'm sorry that took a little bit longer than five minutes. (laughs) How dare you? (laughs) So, um, but just take, I just, man. There's nothing like the process of waiting on the Lord and allowing him to intertwine his thoughts, his emotions, how he feels, his words, letting them wrap themselves around your heart. And watch as you ascend over the very thing that's more powerful than you and he's like I knew that strength was in you all along you just didn't know because I'm your father and you're my child so just just take a few minutes maybe maybe you need to let him reshift your target maybe you need to lay down how you feel about something and let him tell you how he feels about it. Or maybe you just need to like stop flapping your wings against the wind. Stop struggling and just lean into his rest. Lean into his strength and let, him, let it take you higher. Let it elevate you. the front is open if you need to, to come up front. You just stay where you are. This is your house. This is your house, God. The Holy Spirit is welcome. Come and reveal.